0: Welcome to season two of Been There, Done That, a pandemic survival podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Perez, and in this show, we'll be talking to some real life experts on how to get through this time filled with unexpected changes, challenges, and feelings of hopelessness. And those experts are everyday people like you and me. Turns out we may be more prepared for this than we realize. So let's get started and see what we can relearn. Okay, so we are back um, with actually, I think our very first episode in season one was with you, Rose. And so we're super excited to, to be able to speak to you again. Um, I'm wondering before we get started with three questions, which is sort of the theme now to these uh, episodes, um, what do you remember from the last time we spoke? What are like two top things that you remember from the last time?
1: Um, Well, I think the last time was really interesting because the two things we kind of focused on is self-presentation, how we present to the world and to ourselves, and also we talked about um, our relationships with others, and interestingly, I think those are two things that are common threads that I hear everyone talking about still, so I think they were relevant topics. Yes, I think I think they were too. I actually just uh, had an
0: interview with someone where um they were saying that they had sort of stopped um dressing up quote Mm -hmm. unquote, you know, they had stopped um, in the morning thinking about what they wanted to wear, thinking about what they wanted to sort of like present and look like. And recently, they were like, I need to go back to that, because that matters that 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 is something important. And I didn't realize how important it was until it was absent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's that's becoming a common theme Um, as we go day after day, week after week, now into a month of living in the pandemic, we're starting to uh, yearn long and miss things. Um, And it's almost as if you had to miss them in order to know what you were going to miss. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's something to, you don't know what you're going to miss until you miss it. And now people are really learning what they miss. Um, And so thank you for for sharing that um, so early on uh, from your experience. This season is about um, consumption. Uh, what we're using as resources to build something or make something, what we're buying, what we're eating, and literally like what are we putting into our bodies? And that includes our minds. Um, So what are we consuming in terms of um, culture, music, food, television, and also just information? Um, So that's the first question. Um, Looking back to before the pandemic began to now, are you consuming different things and what are those things or what has stayed the same?
1: And did you say this includes food? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Please tell me it includes food. Yes, like, it includes everything. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm alone when I say we're all kind of living for food right now. Uh-huh. Um, I've never seen so many baking related posts on my social media feeds in my life. So everybody's baking. Um, what are you seeing being baked? I think things that take a long time. Um, stuff that <laughs> yeah. Um and even and a lot of bread. Um, I don't think a lot of people make bread because it it has to rise and all of that. And so I think there there is an ability now to to start something and set it to the side and come back to it later in a different way. Um I think being at home all the time, we're trying to establish rhythms and patterns where there aren't any. Mm. Um, and I think that's part of it is, you know, oh, it's the weekend now. So I get to bake where before it was, oh, it's the weekend. Now I get to go somewhere. So I think people are trying to create structure where there is none. And, and that's a lot of the reason people are baking and crafting and doing these things is because it, it helps us a lot to have structure as humans, I think.
0: But I, I think you, you have an interesting point there that people are baking things that take a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen a lot of folks with like puzzles. Mm-hmm. There's something about people wanting to do things right now that take a long time. Um, why do you think that is? What does, what, why not make something that's really
1: fast? Well, I think that it's a way to chunk up this time like that was the week I did this or that was the week I did this thing and you know they've done a lot of studies that show that monotony makes time pass slowly when there aren't events. And so I see people kind of trying to create events. And so they're trying to like, that was the weekend I made the cinnamon rolls. <laughs> because uh-huh. we, don't have, <laughs> we don't have travel, we don't have things like that. And so I think it's a way to create landmarks or events because we can't do that the way we naturally would. And that helps chunk up this time into something that feels more manageable, I think.
0: Are you doing that? Are, do, do you have any experience with this yourself? Like, are you doing something that takes a longer amount of time right now to do that chunking out, to do that marking and creation of events?
1: Well, I did make bread, <laughs> so uh-huh. <laughs> yes. you're one of
0: those. You're one of those bread bakers. guys. Yes.
1: But, you know, I've always been somebody who does projects over long periods of time, so that's nothing new for me. Um, I will say I've noticed I've been dividing the weeks up by things that would not have seemed eventful in the past. Like? Like, oh, last weekend is the weekend I roasted marshmallows with my son in the backyard, because we couldn't go camping. Right. Or, um, I stopped drinking coffee this week. So I, it's strange to say, but I've been thinking of this like the last week and a half or so as since I stopped drinking coffee, wait, (laughs) why did you stop after coffee? (laughs) Why
0: did you stop drinking coffee?
1: Well, yeah. Speaking of consumption, I would say that's a big one, right? Um, it's not a thing I'm consuming. It's a thing I'm not consuming anymore. Um, I was having such bad jaw pain. My TMJ was so bad. Um, it's gotten increasingly worse over the last five years. And then with the pandemic, I think it just kind of pushed me over the edge. Um, Is it helping?
0: Have, Is it improving now that you have have stopped the coffee, caffeine consumption?
1: Immensely. And oh. i don't know. I think it would have been really hard to stop under normal circumstances Mm -hmm. because I was so visibly tired the first three or four days. If I had been at work, it would have been embarrassing (laughs) 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 because Uh I kept yawning. I was just yawning over and over again. And it would have been really embarrassing in a professional setting, but I was at home by myself, um, I did some really funny things, like I put my dirty dishes in the refrigerator um, instead of <laughs> in the dishwasher. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So it just goes to show how much caffeine is a, a major stimulant in all of our lives. Um, I've drank a couple cups of green tea, um, but otherwise I've just drank decaf coffee for the last week. and of-
0: And so other than the putting of the dishes in the refrigerator instead of the dishwasher and yawning a lot, um, how do you
1: feel? I feel a lot better. Um, This experience has made me think a lot about who we are in isolation as opposed to vis-a-vis other people. And I kind of think that when left to our own patterns and our own eating habits and our own consumption habits, it can go very poorly, certainly. Um, I think a lot of us have felt a little bit crazy during this time, but it also teaches you a lot about maybe what your own more natural rhythms are and your more natural consumption without the pressures of other people saying, let's meet at this time, let's eat at this place, let's do this thing, let's whatever the case might be. Um, and so for me, I really, this is a change that I think will last well beyond this. Um, and it sounds so minor, but I have drank coffee, a lot of coffee since I was in high school. Every day.
0: Wait, is this the first time that you stopped drinking
1: coffee? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, I think I've had it a couple of days here or there when I was camping. Are backpacking, yeah. But I am very addicted to coffee. So. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: just a little little information here. Um, I never drank coffee, um, and I worked at a coffee shop too when I was in high school. And I didn't start drinking coffee until I think I was like thirty-two. Um, I'm I'm about to turn 44. So I was 32 years old, hadn't had any coffee. And I was, I was a tea drinker, but not even caffeinated tea. I would drink chamomile tea Um, and people would tease me because basically it would be like after school before, you know, going home, I'm still in meetings or grading. And I would pull out my little thermos of chamomile tea and cookies. Like I was British or something. I would have my tea in the afternoon and people would be like, aren't you tired? I'm like, no, I have my cookie and my chamomile tea. And then I was a commuter. So I would ride my bike to work, um, it was about three miles or so back and forth. And, um, one day I was just dragging in the morning and it wasn't until I was a commuter that I realized that my food consumption was not very smart for somebody who was gonna be on a bike. Like my eating completely changed when you're on a bike. I realized that the food was gasoline for mm-hmm. the car that was me. And mm-hmm. so like I had to eat like a sausage and, uh, and an egg. And it was like all this protein and no carbs cause I like had to have the energy to go. And so I, you know, schools are notorious for pizza. And, and someone would say to me, Hey, Miss Perez, you want a slice of pizza? And in my mind, I would be like, yes, please. And then I would go and be like, just give me the pepperoni. Cause it was just about like putting the gas in the car. Um, But one day I was dragging and my partner said, you should have some coffee. Oh my God. I had a cup of coffee and things were brighter colors were, were, were more intense. It was insane. And I have never gone back since. I am afraid of what would happen if I stopped drinking coffee. Look yeah. at you. Look at you.
1: Yes. And I had been cutting back. So I'm not trying to tell you I went from where I was before to no coffee and It was a
0: slow progression. I
1: had already been cutting way back. And then I was like, this is the time I'm doing it now. And I am so glad. So, you know, just, Getting more and more boring by the day. All the fun stuff. <laughs> no, you're getting you're getting more and more
0: nimble, more and more efficient. Yeah. Uh, what what are you doing? Uh, what are you consuming? Or you know, question number two is what are you developing? What are you building up? What are you growing? What are you improving gradually over time? Because it turns out that development is the opposite of consumption. So, question two was what have you been developing now? And what were you developing before? And are you still you know, sort of developing that? Like, what, what do you do for energy and for taste in the absence of coffee
1: or mm-hmm. caffeine? Mm-hmm. So what I'm really developing now, I would say is, I mean, I've always been somebody who makes art. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a time where that feels especially relevant to me and it's something that gives me energy. I am a verbal processor. And in the absence of having as many people to process things with verbally, I find that art is a space where I can process my emotions. Mm. So I've been doing a lot of art. And I think that I've noticed for me, I can't always, when I'm depressed and things are hard, I can't always take action. I can't always be especially energetic. Like I can't go exercise necessarily, but I can almost always do art. I think because it's something that I can do even when I am very tired and sitting down and things like that. So I would say that that has been the thing that I have been producing the most and also mm-hmm. trying to consume the most when I'm being healthy about it. You're consuming art.
0: How are you consuming art? How does one do that these days? I know there's all these free online museums and things, but is there another way?
1: Well, I can, I, I consider books to fall in the category of, of a kind of art, right? Right. So You're reading a lot. I am. And it also is a resolution that's kind of coming to fruition that I feel really pleased about. I, it's really strange. I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer and I read voraciously. And when I was in college, I also read all the time. And then when I had a kid, something happened, I think because your time is really frequently interrupted when you have a kid where I, I basically stopped reading anything except magazines and, and articles on my phone and stuff. I Mm. completely stopped reading for almost three years And then it was like, I had forgotten how to enjoy reading. And I felt a lot of sadness around it and and shame too. Like people would be like, what are you reading? Kind of like, oh, let's move on to the next topic, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I last year started picking books up again and reading them. Um, And I made a really conscious effort to always carry a book. So I couldn't just look at my phone. And then this year, I downloaded a library app onto my phone, and that actually has made it really easy for me to always read. Um, when I pick up my phone, instead of looking at social media, for example, um, I read whatever book I have on there, and I try to have it open so that I sort of have no excuse, like it's the first thing that opens up. so. I have read so many books in the last few weeks and it's just really brought me a lot of joy. And it's sort of like I'm reteaching myself that I love reading. It's just been really great.
0: What, what do you love about reading? Like I, I, I am a, hmm. I don't think I actually read a whole book from cover to cover, honestly every single word um, until the fifth grade. And it was the first time that we had to read a book and do like a close reading of it. And um, we got pulled out of class into small groups and we had to discuss what we had read. Now I'm going to tell you what the book is and you're going to maybe think now, why in the hell was there a close reading of this book? It's like the simplest book ever. But that's usually where you can actually go very deep or on things that on the surface seem very simple. And they sort of invite you to um, really engage with them in a, in a very different way. It's like, it's so simple on, on the page because it's actually trying to make room for you. Mm-hmm. And um, so the book was The Little Prince. And so for months, for months, we read the little brands, like, let's reread that sentence again, you know, like type of thing. That was the first time I I understood that you could not only read for pleasure, but read for some sort of like development and and learning about yourself and and things. and then the next time that I can say I really did read that book from cover to cover, to, from cover to cover, is was always running. And it was when I was in college and I was a freshman, and it was my Chicano Studies class. And so we're not really big readers in my family. We're really big consumers of music and television and film. And I think we once talked about how popular culture in television and film was not necessarily what you had um, experience with, but you had these books, right? So you kind of have this this diverse cultural capital in in a school or in a you know, sort of like a community environment based on like what you do or don't know. And mm-hmm. so I started finding myself in places surrounded by a lot of academics and artists who are like, what are you reading? And I'm like, no, what are you watching? <laughs> So, so I, I started to really become uh, a big reader as well myself. And, and I have a Kindle that I love being able to show off that I can just put it in my back pocket and carry like 10 books with me. And, um, and so I love reading now and I, I'm so pleased by it. And um, like, I, that is my thing right now. I used to watch and listen to the news all the time and watch a lot of television and movies. And that has all stopped and I've really focused on books and I can't quite figure out why other than I can control how fast it is and I can control like how loud it is, so to speak. Um, but I'm. what are you reading? Because I've been reading very slowly the uh, book about Mr. Rogers, very, very slowly. Um, and there are a couple of other like communications, um, propaganda-esque type books that I'm reading. But what are you reading that... Um, has been very, I don't know, informative or comforting during this
1: time? Uh, I think like a lot of people, I've been reading a lot of dystopian books. Um, <laughs> uh huh. So Octavia Butler, is it? <laughs> well, I read The Giver, which is something many young adults read. Um, I also read The Handmaid's Tale. So those are both rereads. They Did were- you read the follow-up to that, the follow-up to The Handmaid's? I didn't read the follow-up um, and I read, I actually just saw that a book came out last year and I really like to read that one now. Um, and I think though any reread for me is comforting. It, it reminds it, when I read a book and then I read it again, it makes me think about where I was the last time I read it in my life and how I read it very differently now um, with a different life perspective. And I really love that about books that, In rereading them, I can see how I've changed. So I really like rereading books and I liked rereading both of these because they were set in a space that was fictitious enough to not make me think about our current space at all, but that did allow me to have some perspective on where we are now this is fascinating. Okay.
0: I have just cracked something wide open in my mind and it's giving me such life and energy right now. Okay. So my partner and I, Emily and I started watching six feet under, she had never seen the TV show six feet under from HBO. It's about this family that runs a mortuary. Um, There's all these different kinds of characters. It came out in the early thousands. So like 2001 and the very first episode, um, you see all these things like there are people waiting for you at the gate at the airport. Um, there is no security the way we know it. Now people are using cell phones while they're driving with ease. Um, there's pagers still. Right. And so when I watch television or movies the other day, like my comfort, my go-to comfort is Ferris Bueller's day off or top gun. Um, when I watch these television shows or movies, I think about how the world has changed. Oh, look, we don't do that anymore. Oh, look, you can tell when this was made because of what they are or aren't doing. And what you just said about books is that when you read a book, you get to see how you changed from the last time. So I wonder if this is like a thing when you read, it's so personal. It Uh can be so personal and so, um, I don't know, so such a gift in that way that it's just for you. And uh-huh. you're the only one in that. And, and I interviewed someone recently about being in a book club. And I even think that in discussion about a book, it's still you discussing about how you interact with that information. Uh-huh. Whereas I've never heard of movie clubs or, or TV clubs where people are discussing the, the television show or the movie other than, again, not so much in relationship to how it's changed them or how they're changing, but how the world is.
1: Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Like what is that about? I don't know. I think my I think my clearest example is the book Into the Wild by John Krakauer, mm-hmm. which is about Which is a great movie, by the way. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie. Um but you know, it's about a young man who goes into the wilderness of Alaska and I won't spoil it, but you know, things happen. And the first time I read it, um I really put myself in the shoes of the young man. I thought a lot about adventuring and I could really, it really resonated with me why he had made some of the decisions he did. And then after I had a kid, all I could think about through that whole book was his parents. I mean, I just, Hmm. I stopped thinking about them and how it would feel to not know where your son is and how it would feel to try to help your son, but know that, people make their own decisions and i just read it so differently and yeah i do think there's something highly personal about reading maybe because you make the images yeah in your own mind and yeah. so they're yours nobody else is going to yes. imagine it like you yes so that when you revisit it, it's sort of like revisiting a thing you created with the author almost, like you had a conversation with the author, a really delayed conversation. Yes, yes. (laughs) And so you just, I don't know, every time I read that book, and you know, honestly, it's almost time for me to read it again. But every time I read that book, I just interact with it in such a different way. So that's one that comes to mind right away for me where I think I've read it three times and the three different times I've just really realized I'm in a different place than the last time I read this book. And I'm having a different conversation with the book than I would have had last time.
0: No, but I think that you just nailed it. It's that when we read a book, because there are, well, not all books, right? Like there is, there is such a thing as the picture book. There is such a thing as comics and comics, comic uh, creation has its own sort of like strategy or methodology of how it tells a story as well because comics tell you things in the absence as well. Like what's not in that frame. Sometimes box to box will, um, will leave things out on purpose for you to fill in or, you know, it's just, it's its own thing. So it's a little bit different, but um, yeah, when you're just reading text, In your mind, you have to make it up and it's almost as if whoever, whatever character is being focused on, you are them. It's Mm -hmm. almost like it's a play where you get to read all the different lines and embody all those different characters. And when you're watching television or a movie, you know, you're not really there. Although in television and in movie, if you ever notice people are dining, they're like at a restaurant or they're at home, there's always like a big empty space on the table, right? And that's for you, the viewer, to be like, that's where you're occupying the space, the fourth wall, right? But everybody knows that you're not really there. Um, and so there's a different, a different interaction with it. And I used to have this thing, when I first got sober 17 years ago, I needed to find something to like fill up my time. Much like the baking, I needed something that was going to take a while so that I wouldn't complain about boredom and like not having something to do. Um, and so I started to read books that were going to become a movie and then watching the movie. Like that was my thing. That was my new hobby. I only read books that are about to become movies and I only watch movies that have been books. Well, that didn't last too long because then I realized that you have really have to pick one Because they're not going to be the same, Mm -mm. right? Like, have you ever experienced this where you read a book and you watch the movie and you're like, what? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: What, What was that? Have you ever, what was the book and movie that you watched where they were so completely different? And what was the book and the movie that you watched where they were pretty spot on?
1: Well, I think all the Harry Potter books and movies are like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I only only watch the movies. So I have some people in my life who've read the books too. And they're like, "Eh, some books were better than the movies and some movies were better than the books.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was there one where it was so off? Because I actually read Into the Wild and saw the movie because it was during that time in my life where that was my thing. (laughs) I liked the movie better.
1: Really? Yes. Um, I have to watch the movie then. That's I mean,
0: I think part of the reason why I like the movie better is because I love Eddie Vedder. And uh-huh. Eddie Vedder did the soundtrack for all of it. So it was like all of my favorite things all kind of in, in one. And I kind of like movies about people alone. Did you see the one with um, Reese uh, Witherspoon, also based on um, a real person, much like Into the Wild, and based on a book where it's the woman who's a hiker and she goes out on her own? I haven't seen that one. I don't remember what that was called. Someone listening right now is yelling the name of that book and movie, <laughs> but um, but it was just as good. I'm, you're, you have to look up that one, read that one, because I wonder if you would feel differently about that one, or if it brings up the same things as Into the Wild, because there's also a parent and a child and that whole dynamic, it's it's so good. What is it called? I know which one you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about, but you don't yeah. know what it's called. No. It's a good one. It's a good one. Okay. So art, books. What about music? Has, has what you were listening to, like, are you a music listener or, or is there audio playing um, mm-hmm. somehow in your life? Has that changed uh, since the pandemic?
1: Well, I did a really funny thing. I cleaned up my garage and I found my old boombox in it. And I'm. This is a. It's got a tape deck in it.
0: So like a legit boombox. Like a two boom speakers box. on the side. It has a handle. It has a handle. batteries or plug in. It is yellow. Oh. 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 Is it? Is it a Sony? It's a Sony. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the yellow plastic Sony kind of slim, almost looks like a carton of cigarettes. Boombox. It,
1: yeah. It's like yeah it's so cute I found it in my garage it was my dad's I remember my dad having it on in his garage when he would be fixing bicycles things like Mm. that so I said to myself my mom when my dad passed away my mom she asked me if I wanted it and I said yeah and then I stuck it in the garage and I didn't get it out for years so I I cleaned out the garage as many people are I'm really cleaning (laughs) a lot um And I took it out and I put it on my kitchen counter and I plugged it in. I didn't try the tape deck because I don't have a tape to put in it, but I I turned on the radio. And so I've been listening to the radio, which I mean, the only time I ever listened to the radio before this was probably in the car or if I had a specific thing I wanted to listen to, like I would tune in for specific programs, Mm -hmm. things like that. But I never just left the radio on. Um, and it is so nostalgic, and what I love about it is the element of surprise when there's not very (laughs) much. Well, a lot about life right now is surprising, don't get me wrong, but (laughs) in our day-to-day lives, um, being at home all the time, I don't find that I have many things that uh, that surprised me or that I don't that are unpredictable I guess and I think I kind of miss that I miss being out in the world and interacting with people and you don't know what someone is going to do or say next and that's one of the I think joys of just sort of being out and around people and so I put I've been putting the radio on and listening to different stations and it's it's just it's really fun to have somebody else choose all the music for me have it be very unpredictable try a different channel and so um I've been listening to an old boombox I've been listening to the radio what were you
0: listening to before like you were controlling what you were listening to and what what were you listening to a lot
1: I was listening to Spotify and I would listen to playlists and um I think one of the things that was different about it is if you don't like the song, you just pick something else.
0: Right. And on the radio, you can pick another station, but sometimes the amount of work to pick another Mm -hmm. station by the time you do that, that song is already no longer there.
1: It doesn't matter. So you just sit it out and you wait to see what happens next. (laughs) So it's been fascinating for me and I am not sure what it says about where I'm at, but I really have been enjoying it. I mean, I think
0: I, I was actually just um, speaking to, um, to someone yesterday, and we were talking about this, actually. Um, and we were talking about the idea of availability and how dangerous um, and maybe even toxic availability has um, turned out to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about how um, there was a time where you couldn't be reached at the drop of a hat wherever you were. You know, like right now, if um, I'm in the restroom and my mom calls me, I pick up the phone. It doesn't matter that I'm in the restroom. My mom is calling me and it's showing up on my phone. I'm going to pick it up. What? There was a time where if I was in the restroom, that's where I was. It was, it was my time. It was one thing at a time. And I didn't have to be available. I mean, how many, how many times, Rose, have you ever been told like, well, I was trying to call you. I don't know why you have a phone if you're not going to pick it up. Right right like the idea of you have it therefore shouldn't you be available and then you had things like TiVo or what we now call DVR where you can like fast forward through the commercials or not have to worry about the commercials or much to Spotify and digitized music you know if you don't like what's playing um you can just you have control now you have access you have availability people are you know you're available um, and everything's available. I mean, imagine if this pandemic had happened in the 80s mm-hmm. or even the early 90s where we didn't have cell phones and or just imagine if this happened like 10 years ago where we don't necessarily have internet capacity and uh, video conferencing. Like what would we be doing right now if we were not available?
1: I don't know. Baking more bread. I, guess. I was going to say baking more baking.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's it. It, it really is a, a a situation where, much to your point about reading books and noticing how you've changed, this is a situation where I I find myself imagining more and more what this time would be like if it was in a different time or what this experience, I guess, would be like if it happened at a different time in my life and a different time like in the world. Maybe it's because I keep interviewing people who are at different ages and having different experiences. But here's my last question to you before we run out of time. If somebody is listening right now or is listening in in the future, um, and this is a a past uh, that they're learning about, what would you recommend that people consume right now or that people develop right now or that people stay away from? I mean, much to your point about coffee, right? So like, what what would you recommend people do or don't do in terms of consumption and development?
1: Well, I do think that's highly particular to the individual for sure. Um, and so I don't know that there's a one size fits all approach. So I think the first thing I would tell people is, to try to create space to listen to what feels good for themselves and what doesn't feel good because everyone is so different. But I do think what I always like to ask people when they're having a hard time, and I think a lot of people are right now is what's worked for you in the past? How have you gotten through all the hard days you've been through before? because most people have been through a lot of adversity and many people, even, even if it's not conscious, if it's subconscious, they have tools that they've drawn on in the past to get through hard times. And I think if you kind of contextualize it like that, like this is another hard day and then it's gonna be one of maybe many, maybe more that we're used to and then we're used to having in a row, If you think of it like that, it feels a little bit more manageable, I think. And I think, I really think the thing that I would advise people not to consume too much of, and I don't know that I've heard a single person who wouldn't agree with this, is is media. We all need to know facts, but we don't need to know everything all the time. And so being very, very deliberate about when feels good for me to consume news and when doesn't and having strict rules and honoring your own rules that you've set for yourself about when you're not going to consume news is something i've heard every single person say is good for them
0: so a lot of super important sage advice about really making space for knowing what you need and what you want Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rose, for sharing your experience with us today and your insight. You've been listening to Been There, Done That, your pandemic survival podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Perez. Stay well and stay human.